Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, we may need a reminder that parenting is a farce. I talk to author-comedian Laura Cleary, plus Biz has a breakdown. Woo! This is a check-in, <laughs> and I'm, I'm starting to wonder if I have a problem, because every time you ask a guest who lives in their house, I answer the question in my own head for myself. Because I don't, I don't have anyone else to talk to. I guess, but <laughs> I've been noticing a pattern that there's more and more creatures living in my house over the last year, and my answer to the question is getting longer and longer because my children. I have four children who are all differently wired, and when you're differently wired and you're not sure if people are going to like you or think you're weird or be your friend today but not tomorrow it helps to have an animal that you can count on so we have an old dog and we have a rabbit and we have a gecko and a snake and two ducks and a chicken and a fish and I may or may not have just sent an email about getting a new puppy and I think maybe I'm trying to fill some kind of void with creatures but hey it's it's working and <laughs> my kids have something to talk to and cuddle at the end of the day so i'm i'm doing a good job so are you you are doing a good job and you have something to cuddle at the end of the day too first off i think it's actually really helpful to remind all of us that like Having pets, animals in the house can actually be a real gift in terms of emotional support for kids of any age, really, and of any wiring, all right? And I think the same is true for adults. I really get the trying to fill a hole. I am searching all the time. Whenever I start searching the Humane Society, <laughs> I know that that is like a placeholder for something else I should probably deal with. And <laughs> ding, ding, ding. When you open Google and the very first thing that comes up is Pasadena Humane without typing anything in, then maybe I've looked too many times. But I just think the menagerie of, of animals that you have at your house. Dogs, I kept up when you said at the end. Uh, yesterday I sent an email about, and in my mind I was like, pig, pig, say pig, 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 please be a pig, please be a pig. Puppy, also a viable choice. Ducks, geckos, snakes, these are wonderful, wonderful animals. And there are worse things to fill the void with, in my opinion. So I think you're doing an incredible job filling your house with love. That's how I'm going to phrase this. Filling your house with love. <laughs> Speaking of love, it's time for thank yous. 
this week, I really just want to thank Teresa. Now, as you all know, last week on the show, Teresa announced that they were stepping away from the show. And I just want to say again, thank you to Teresa and all that she shared with all of us. I am still wandering about. I might have to start filling the house with animals until I can figure out what to do next. But I I just thank her. And I thank all of you for reaching out to show your support and love to Teresa. And just reminding me what an awesome community this is. So thank you. Now, how am I? Thank you for asking. I'm seriously fucking tired, guys. <laughs> I got to have a little breakdown at the beginning of the show. I have just been seething all day. I am tired of being stuck in this place where the time I'd like to spend on myself or my job is still at the mercy of others. Now, this was, I feel like, a little understandable at the very beginning, right? But my kids are older now. <laughs> I should not be feeling this way still. We've also worked through this a lot as partners, as a family, all these things. Yet, I still find myself, <laughs> last night, I'd come home from like getting the kids from school and everybody was in. And by the way, my fail will explain what happened prior to the story I'm about to tell you after picking my child up. I come home and I'm like, I have to get some work done. I'm going in to the bedroom. I'm sitting there. I am trying to write one email, guys. One email. And I was interrupted six times. I am very much over being unable to complete one thing, whether it's coffee, an email, making dinner, eating my own breakfast, eating my own breakfast this morning, three times. Three times I was asked to come help something that absolutely needed to be helped at the moment. Brushing my teeth, knock, knock, knock. Can I just come in and just stand with you? And I don't understand how people think. Like, Teresa constantly is like, I don't understand how people do anything. I don't understand how people think. Think through. I don't even have time to mull things over, right? A lot of big decisions in your life require thinking. <laughs> no time to think. It is tick, 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 tick. This is obviously separate from my love for my family. The point is, that my love for my family should be able to exist with me being a self. And I don't know how this keeps getting fucked up. I don't know. Is it me? Probably. But I'm trying. So I would like for this, this rant for it to be everyone else <laughs> who's making this impossible for me. If you are at the store and you hear the sound of rocks being rubbed together. It's just me clenching, grinding my teeth, trying to suppress the rage that has uh, been bubbling up. 
and I'm going on a trip tomorrow. Yay! <laughs> hilarious. Speaking of hilarious, this week I am super excited to be talking to Laura Cleary, who is known for her amazingly honest and hilarious social media videos. Plus, she has a brand new book out called Idiots, Marriage, Motherhood, Milk, and Mistakes. So stick around and let's talk to Laura. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Biz and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Guys, I am so excited. We are talking to Laura Clary! Did you guys like that? <laughs> Apparently there's a French story involving their name, and I just tried to do that. You're welcome. You're that was welcome. Good. Thank you. The interview's over. They are, let me just tell you about Laura. Laura is an actress, an influencer, and comedian best known for, for posting right. comedy sketches and vlogs about her day-to-day life to Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, where she has a combined 22 million followers and upwards of 10 billion views. She lives in Los Angeles. I'm not going to give away any more than that, because then that really screws up my first question. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, guys, guys, before I, I just, I'm going <gasps> to spill, I'm going to spill some dirt. Laura has a sty in her eye. She has a sty eye. And so she, I'm looking at her and she's got like a tea bag. And then, and then later, hopefully she's going to go through all the other suggestions the internet's given her. As to what to put on her sty. But yeah. she just looks like a very relaxed pirate right now. She's like in a robe. Her hair's down. We have the sty in the eye. All right. Before we get into the sty, which is clearly all we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Who cares about anything else? Yeah. Who lives in your house? So who lives in my house? My husband, Stephen. Yes. <laughs> and my two children. I have my daughter, Penelope, but we call her Poppy. Uh-huh. And um, I don't think we've called her Penelope once. Yes. So in, in England, the nickname for Penelope is Poppy. And when I heard that, I was like, that's the cutest yeah. shit I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Poppy? Yeah, that's cute. Are you kidding me? The, the British don't kid. So Poppy's <laughs> going to be one in five, like five days, uh, five days, she'll five be one. Days. And then Alfie, who is my almost three-year-old, he'll be three in a month. Oh my gosh. And that's it. That's who that's lives it. in the house. I want to talk about all that you put out there, but I feel like the thing about social media, comedy and influencers, like all of the ways you describe it, not you, but the world describes yeah. it. It's like, where, what's the backstory, right? Like what? <laughs> right up until the moment you took the first video. How did this start for you? Yeah. So I, which I guess many people don't know, is I I came out here to Los Angeles when I was 17 years old. So, and everyone's like, what did your parents say? And I'm just like, they were like, have fun. Yeah. <laughs> They're like crazy hippies. You know, there was never a curfew. Like I didn't have to go to school. My dad's like, 
here's 20 bucks, go get me some weed. Yeah. You know, like that was my <laughs> like childhood. So I was, I was like a terrible, terrible student in, well, grammar school, high school, all of it. But I, I was incredibly social and I was the class clown. Like I just was obsessed with making you laugh. That was it. And my mom just kind of supported that. She was yeah. like, well, that's just what she wants to do. So we're just going to accept these straight Ds. And, you know, so college was never in the picture for me. I never had any desire to go. Hated school and knew that I wanted to make comedy, knew that I wanted to be an actor always. Like, I wrote a letter to SNL when I was like nine. Like, Dear SNL, love it. I'm going to make your show so funny. Just give me a chance. All right. I'll see you later. Like, what? Right in the shredder. They're like, oh, <laughs> really? Because I think Lauren Michaels no, fucking read it. I think Lauren Michaels probably read it. read it. I just always like to imagine at interviews and auditions, in like shutter. you go in and you're like, do you have a headshot? Yeah, here you go. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, totally. <laughs> go ahead. That became my life for the next wow. 10 years. So I made my way to LA. My friends, the day before I graduated high school, they knew that I wanted to be an actor and they were two years older than me and they did theater with me. And there was like the one area that I excelled in, in in school. And they came to my high school and they were like, hey, Laura, like we're interning at this production company in LA. Do you want to come like help us pay rent and sleep on our couch, on the couch? <laughs> and, and I was like, hell yeah. So I begged my sister for money for a one-way ticket and I slept on the couch. And I like, that was my first taste in LA. Made a pit stop in New York and then back because I met some guy, I thought I was in love. That's in, that's in my first book story. You'll, right. It's, it's fucking insanity. But I made my way back to LA by 18, and I've never left, and I'm 35. So I got a commercial agent when I was 18. I booked a Spanish cell phone commercial. No idea what anyone was saying. I was just dancing with a cell phone and like this like crop top. Yeah. And that was my first taste. And then it was just like 10 years of auditioning and, yeah. you know, I, I w- wait tables and whatever, live off boyfriends, whatever I had to do. And then around 23, I made, I booked enough to, to live. I was on um, booking commercials. I shot a lot of commercials, sitcoms, the odd indie film. So like, I think a lot of people don't know that, that I had been doing this a long, long time. Yeah. And then when I was maybe like, well, like six, seven years ago, I started seeing my friends posting on social media and like getting a lot of views. And I saw what I saw was creative control. What I saw was no one getting in the way and you being able to say, I want to write a song about buttholes and no one's going to stop me. No one's going to stop me. Yeah. And I did say that. I said, Stephen, yeah. I want to write a song about buttholes. And he was like, that's not a very good idea. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. So I did it. And if I, and it's actually still going viral on TikTok. All the Gen Zs are recreating that song about buttholes. Thank you very much. But anyway, I so that's kind of it. I, I was fed up with auditioning my life away and, and, and the 98% rejection and yeah. the zero creative control. And I think it was like, I had a pilot and it was like my sixth callback. And it was like, this is the one, this is the next friends. I'm going to be the next Phoebe. This is fucking it. Like I know it. And they gave the role to, I think like Brooklyn Decker or something like that. I was like, <laughs> yes, she's hotter, but she's not funnier. Mm, she's I- hotter. I'm funnier. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't right. know why. Actually, this is a beautiful way to segue into actually two questions I had about this. One, I want to jump on creative control because yeah. with creative control comes and social media in particular, mm-hmm. right? Like that is that is very public. And when you are somebody who wants to connect through humor, people have an opportunity to respond. And instead of having one jackass director making a comment on your creative, what you think is funny or what you want to do, you have all of these people who may or may not yeah. appreciate your creative control. So what is that like? I mean, I don't ever read any comment mm-hmm. <laughs> on this yeah. show. I just assume everybody fucking loves it. Yeah. But I really, and then, but I know that's not probably the case. So I guess you've been doing it long enough now, but I guess I'm just wondering what was that transition like? Yeah. So initially the only person watching my video was my mother and Steven. And they love it. Right. So the only comment was like, great job, sweetie. You know? Um, but down the road, so, so that was kind of it. And so I just, I fired my agents and I posted a video a day, every single day for a year. You asked how I got into it. That's how I got into it. A lot of them were shit. Most of them were shit. It didn't matter. I was just, I was just throwing things at the wall and seeing what stuck every day. I think I replaced my drug addiction with posting videos. (laughs) And, uh, so I did it every single day for a year. And then within like six months, I had my first viral video and that was kind of like how it took off. I think it's consistency, but yeah. So how do I deal with the comments? You know, it's, they say, oh, don't read the comments, but you kind of have to gauge a little bit whether what you're doing is working or not. Right. So I think you just take it with a grain of salt, you know, and for me, they've been more good than bad. So I feel like I'm in the right direction, but I do like to take the haters and the trolls and I put them on blast when I'm feeling extra petty, you know, I'll post them or I'll comment. Most of the time I'll block them. You know, if they're saying like, kill yourself, I'll block them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're saying like, this concept was weak, it's like, that's almost more painful than, than kill yourself. (laughs) You know. Kill yourself, the new constructive criticism. <laughs> now, the other thing I want to ask you, because you're like, she's the pretty one, but I'm the funnier one, right? Like, yeah. so people, not all people, a subset of people aren't really fans of funny women. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like once you have kids in your house, it almost is even more important that you're not funny. Because what? It's sort of that, do they hate women more or women with kids who are trying to be funny more? Which one? Right. Have you, like, since you were doing this a little bit before and then after kids, have you found, like, that the reaction is, I don't know, you're a comedian. Tell me a little bit about that experience or... Yeah, I always say my my followers is like 80 percent women and twenty yeah. percent gay men. Oh yeah, like yeah, you know, like that. Because I'm assuming you're talking about straight men. Probably they're the ones yeah. who usually are. <laughs> well, so I kind of got and I kind of got rid of them. Yeah, most of them, I, and I shouldn't say all of them. And you know, I'm not. I'm I'm just speaking honestly. 
the comments that I got of like women aren't funny were ten- tended to be from heterosexual men. That's just, yeah. it is what it is. But there's a certain breed of heterosexual men, um, like my husband, whose childhood crush was Ellen DeGeneres. Oh. Everyone else's was Pamela Anderson. His was Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. He loves w- funny women. Yeah. You know, like he loves strong, funny women. And those men exist. Yeah, well, I know. know. I, yeah, I'm married to one as well. It's very <laughs> yeah. important. His wasn't yeah. Ellen DeGeneres. It was, yeah. uh, oh my God, Jodie Foster. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take strong. that. That's good strong. too. Yeah, strong. Right. Strong woman. Yeah. But yeah, I would say like, you're going to get, you know, misogynistic men. And I just found when I started posing my Helen character, she's the one that's, you know, the square face. Oh my Helen God. Horbath. I okay. love her. And yeah. my sister, who's a yeah. Helen. Okay. It is okay. one of her favorite things in the history. Love it. Love that. So, so I, yeah. So when I created Helen, Helen, for anyone who doesn't know, it's like a a dumb character I created. She's got this square face and she's just constantly sexually harassing her husband, just throwing disgusting pickup lines at him all the time. That's kind of, that was like how I started. She's developed a lot more to the point where I'm developing an animation around Helen and her family. Yeah, you are. Female family guy with with CBS Studios, like it's happening. So yeah. Oh, so, good like, job, good right? job. Right, that's Cause great. Because I, I believed in her, and yeah. I was like, why is she so disgusting? Why is she so sexually inappropriate? But I also found that we never saw sexually aggressive women characters. It was no. always like the guy catcalling the girl. Yeah, you never really saw. The woman cat calling the guy. Well, and the guy gets rewarded. He still gets a wife. He still gets kids. He still has a job. He still, and like women, the moment they start, I mean, one of my favorite is, is there a keg in your pants? Because I want to, what was it? I want to ride that all day. No, I want to pump that ass. That's what it was. Is there a keg in your pants? I want to pump your ass. I want to pump pump that ass. I want to pump that ass. Oh, yeah. That is a delight. And I'm I'm very glad that that well how okay so so yeah so I kind of I guess you were saying like well what your question was what again (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the one bad mother interview yeah yeah, (laughs) we just go and go and then like have a conversation as if we're at a bar we're bouncing around a lot so I apologize because you keep saying things that make me go wait that was one of my other questions you were talking about like conversate that's how I conversate right I interview (laughs) The, um, <laughs> I have no plans. The, <laughs> so you were talking about like when they respond and like sometimes if you're feeling particularly petty. One of the things that I really love about your work and I, I want to talk about honesty in just a little bit. But one of the things I really love is what you build off of haters, right? Mm. Like, first of all, your book that has just come out, Idiots, Marriage, Motherhood, Milk, and Mistakes, which is so delightful to read. But in it is one of the stories that I love where a woman comments on you in public breastfeeding your child. You know, you're showing your boobs and this is so so offensive doing this very natural thing. And then you made a whole clothing line based on it. See, now that, (laughs) that is the follow through (laughs) <laughs> that is the comedic follow-through that I, I have, like, a serious fucking respect for. Will you please talk to me about, about that? that is, I mean, like, yeah. I just think it's stunning. Yes. So when Alfie was, like, five or six months, 
We were like, you know what? We're going to go out to a cafe and we're going to eat the three of us. It's going to be amazing. We're leaving the house. (laughs) Yeah. So we left the house. Yeah. And oh my God. What was your reward? What was your reward? (laughs) (laughs) I got a lentil salad. (laughs) Woo! But um, yeah. And a triple shot cappuccino while breastfeeding. Oops. So anyway, so we're sitting at the cafe and I'm having my lentil salad and way too much caffeine. Sorry, (laughs) Alfie. And Alfie's on, you know, breastfeeding. And Stephen kind of laughed and went, oh, you're both eating lunch. And he just, (laughs) he just shot a little Insta story saying they're both eating lunch. Isn't that cute? (laughs) And that was it. So scandalous, I know. Oh, and God. then he posted it and I and I like reshare the story. It was as simple yeah. as that. It was like a cute moment. And it was really special because it was the first cafe that Steve and I was first time we ever had lunch together was there, like back 10 years yeah. ago. And we were all back as a family of three. It was really sweet. Anyway, I shared that. I get this message, this DM. I like that Maybe. it's a direct message. Yes. Because we're friends. Yes. We're oh, I, yeah. like, I should definitely yeah. reach out. But I'm so grateful that that I got this. Oh, yeah. So she DMs me. She says, you have no self-respect. You have no dignity. She says, put your boibs away. Your Your boibs. boibs. Your Your boibs boibs are for your husband. Okay? He's too old for your boibs. Your boibs are for your husband. Now, there's so many many (laughs) things wrong with this DM. But she, I think the thing that's most wrong is she misspelled boobs. Boobs. Yeah. Four times. Well, see, I think maybe B-O-I-B-S. What, what if boobs make her so uncomfortable that yeah. she can't even spell it with Perhaps. boobs in the in the word? Because the Perhaps. circles look like boobs. So yeah. we gotta make it look less booby as a word. Yeah, it could wow. be that, but whatever it was, Stephen yeah. and I are cracking up that she just kept calling them boibs. Sure. Uh, we loved it. And so, of course, this was one of my petty days. So I responded to her. And then I posted the response and it went super viral. Oh, and yeah. it was, and all of a sudden, all these boibs memes started happening. <laughs> and so everyone's making memes saying boibs instead of boobs. Yeah. And it's this whole thing. And now everyone's like, I'm never calling them boobs again. Yeah. They'll forever be boibs. Everyone started talking about ways that they were harassed for public breastfeeding. And then the whole like normalized breastfeeding hashtag came about. Now I was kind of ignorant to it. I didn't really know. I just thought breastfeeding was beautiful and cool. And so I posted about it. I didn't really see anything wrong with it. It wasn't until that day that I realized what an issue it was. So that struck this great needed conversation as well about just normalizing breastfeeding. And then like a couple months later, we got approached to start a clothing brand and Steven wakes me up in the early in the morning and he goes, Laurel, I've got it. He goes, I know what we should call the clothing brand. And I'm like, what? He's like, boibs. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. And he's like, or is it the best? Right. (laughs) Or is it the best? And I was like, I, and I thought about it, I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? I kind of love it. I love the origin story. Yeah. I love that it's kind of like goop. It's not yeah. a real word. Nope, not right? a real word. It's, it's definitely, yeah, it's goop. It's boys right? and goop, right? Right? Yeah. So there, there it was, and that was like two years ago. I love it. Yeah. I, I just think it's such a beautiful way to embrace criticism, especially. Absolutely. Monetize the haters. Ignorant criticism. All right. Oh, now I want to circle back to honesty. You, one of the things that I think is so unique to your work 
versus others is that there's such a through line of honesty, just like that, just like the Boyd story. And you've been honest in your videos, especially when it's come to your giving birth, trying to have kids, all of it, your, your life leading up to it, the life since kids got into your house. And that's led to your recent book, Idiots, Marriage, Motherhood, Milk, and Mistakes. I'm going to say the name several times, guys, because <laughs> it helps sell a book, in which you are, again, very honest. And I guess <laughs> I want to ask, what are your thoughts on the power of honesty? Yeah, I, you know, I, I feel like I learned this in recovery, which is, which I tap into mm-hmm. actually in this book quite a bit, because it's such a big part of my life, my sobriety. But I, I think I learned there that it's so important to be rigorously honest and that we are as sick as our secrets. And I think that secrecy and shame are so toxic, so, so toxic. And they, and they keep us, they keep us sick and they keep us full of shame, these secrets. And so yeah. for me, it's incredibly freeing and terrifying <laughs> to just put it all out there because at the end of the day, it shows us that, you know, we're not alone, whether I'm talking about, you know, my alcoholism, my postpartum depression, you know, relationship issues, whatever it is. I have this big platform and I could just post these like perfect photographs and all like happy. And, and I do feel like comedy is my, my true, true, true passion. That's the thing I love yeah. most. And I feel like that is my purpose because I, I truly think I have no other skill set but to like make you laugh. So like I do feel that that was that's my purpose. Yeah. But then I grew this big audience and I was like, why not talk about what's really going on? And it's incredibly freeing and it just kind of takes the shame out of it. I think it's important. I think people stay sick when they when they hold things in and they feel a lot of shame especially around addiction, things like that. So that's, that's why I'm very vocal about it all. I think it's freeing and it, it connects us. I think you're 100% right. I think the more we talk about all the stuff, because I mean, yeah. the shame isn't just our own self-shame. It's the shame that, look, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm going to say it for the 235th time. Women in particular mm-hmm. are, get such the shit end of the shame stick, especially yeah. when it comes to having kids, your bodies, yeah. your bodies become like other. Mm-hmm. If something happens to your body during childbirth, <laughs> shh, shh, oh, grandma, yeah. Mima and grandma used to just deal with it. So you deal with it. Don't, how dare <sighs> you ask for help? In fixing or like coming, right? And so, like, yes, even just peeing when you sneeze, you actually, in some cases, can make that go away. You don't have to yeah. live with it, right? And so, yes, yes, yes. say it louder. Ah, we've said Ugh. it multiple times on the show. So God. I think, and I think humor and honesty go so hand in hand. I think the funniest things are the truest things, and totally. with that. I appreciate you putting truth and humor out in the world. I cannot recommend enough, everybody, Laura's new book, Idiots, Marriage, Motherhood, Milk, and Mistakes. And if you just need a moment to laugh your ass off, put your headphones on at work if you're at the office. Go go look up Helen 
Go look up Laura Cleary, <laughs> Helen, or what is <laughs> what is your pumpkin? What is your oh, Pamela Pumpkin? Pamela Pumpkin, who does all the exercise videos, and what an honor it must have felt like when you saw that people were taking your Pamela Pumpkin workout video and recreating it for like oh, the yeah. World Health Organization. I mean, like, I just, I just so cool. And I'll say this, like. I'm so happy that I didn't listen. I remember I took a class at the Groundlings like years, years, yeah. years ago. And they told me, net, like, that was another thing. I I was not very good in that class. I just, they were <laughs> shooting down my ideas. I, I went out crying like yeah. five times. It was never good. Yeah. I was just a shit student. But one of the things I remember them telling me was, we don't do aerobics instructor uh, characters. characters. It's overdone, da-da-da. Like, that was like a thing. And I remember that in the back of my head. And I was like, yeah, but I have this really funny idea for one. And I love physical comedy. So, like, fuck them. I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know? No, you should never really probably listen to what a lot of people tell you when it comes to your comedy choices. Right? And just a little final piece of advice there that no one asked for. I'm giving that to everybody. Do what you think is funny. You'll find your audience. Totally. Laura, thank you so much for joining me. Everybody knows where to buy books, but we will still put links in the show notes as well as links to all of the different places you can find Laura being hilarious and honest. Mm, Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This was so fun. I'm sorry you had to look at my face. No, it's okay. I'll get over it. I'll take something before I have to go to (laughs) Sorry for all my... Gag reflex. Make sure you go find uh, Laura uh, on social media and give a lot of unsolicited advice about how (laughs) to get rid of a sty or why she got the sty to begin with. Somebody probably put a curse on her. That's all I ever know about styes growing up in the Deep South. You were cursed. Wait, really? Oh, yeah, you were totally cursed. Sty, sty in your eye. There's some sort of curse. No. I'll have to ask my mother. She'll tell me the sty, sty in your eye curse. Uh, oh my saying. god yeah oh yeah you've been, <gasps> you've been cursed baby <laughs> well thank you so yeah. much for having me i feel like that just flew by it it actually really did because i have to go pick my children up from school because oh, i am constantly never able to finish a task no that said we'll just have to have you back on and do something else fun i would love that yeah we'd I'm love here. to have you back One Bad Mother is supported in part by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work, especially the most important one that you can have in your life, your relationship with yourself, which may go against everything we've been told when we become a parent. (laughs) Look, we already drop almost anything to go help our kids and help our family members and our friends. We go out of our way to treat other people well, but... How are we treating ourselves? Guys, how are we treating ourselves? BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. 
One Bad Mother listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Bad Mother. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Bad Mother. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time. Genius me, me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. Okay. Like I said at the start of the show, we are going on a trip. We had tickets pre-pandemic that we couldn't use to go on a trip. And they sat there. And they were able to be rolled over and rolled over. And then... A couple of weeks ago, we were like, we should really check in and see the status of those tickets. Stefan checked in and then said that they said we had to use them by the end of this month. (laughs) So we are going on a little quick trip for the kids' spring break. Now, that is not my genius. My genius is it's been a long time since we've gone on a trip, especially as a family. And I remembered to pack the things that I like to have for the plane. Pringles. I like sour cream and onion. I don't know why. Sour cream and onion Pringles are my go-to plane snack. They're really delicious. They are satiating, a little salty, a little crunchy. You gotta break them up into small pieces and stick them under your mask. That is my flight food. Plus, I got myself a book of Sudoku. Sudoku, so whatever it's called. And I'm going to have it with me and act like a person who's able to do things all on their own on a plane without interruption. See rant at the beginning. <laughs> Hi, this is a genius. Uh, my genius is the Kirkland diaper box. It is an incredible place to put my 10-month-old baby when I just need to turn my back on her for a minute so that she doesn't grab every remote control in the house and eat the batteries out of them. I just can mm. put her in the Kirkland diaper box. It's an incredible invention. It's not going to work for long, but it's working for now. I'm doing a great job. You are doing a great job. You're a genius. And this is such a rational genius versus... I feel I would have just removed all the batteries from the clickers in like a crazed state of newborn dark forest mental postpartum, and then no one would get to enjoy clickers or remote controls or whatever you call them in your house. Put your baby in a box. That is genius. (laughs) Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Fail me, me. Okay. Yesterday, I went to go pick Ellis up from their after-school class, which is at their school. So that's nice. And I had to do a few things at the school. So I was in there doing some things. And I, I walked out to the playground. And that's where I realized that the girls' basketball team was playing another school. I was like, well, I'm going to sit down and watch a little basketball. Right? And I didn't know 
what kind of guy? I didn't know if I could be like super aggressive with my yelling. Turns out I could. That was delightful. And I was like, oh my God, I really had a good time watching this. I got to remember to come back. So I then leave the game, walk around the corner, get Ellis. And we are literally five steps from the classroom that we are leaving. And I say, I, I watched a little basketball, watched a little basketball game. And I, Ellis said something like, I don't know how to read the score. Who's winning? And I said, oh, we're winning. And he said, I don't know how to read the scoreboard. <laughs> Dave's face, that is the right face. Full meltdown about basketball and the scoreboard. And I'm like, I am happy to explain this to you, but I cannot do it when you're yelling, which is still not the right thing to say. I don't know what to say anymore, guys. I really am trying to, we get, I've just decided, okay, you're upset. We get in the car. He proceeds to get himself more and more upset. Somehow this turns into like, hating sports and basketball. And I am to blame because I said basketball. Now, this is a yelling, kicking the back of my car seat kind of thing, which is not good. Mixed with, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm like, it's okay. We don't have to talk about basketball. In fact, I only said the word basketball once during the entire exchange. The point is, I should never mention basketball anywhere near my child. And lessons have been learned by me. I think I'm the only one learning lessons here, guys. I'm not sure that's a genius. Hey, I have a fail. <laughs> my three-year-old daughter is in Taekwondo classes, and they're very strict about the you have to come wearing your uniform, which includes your belt. And wouldn't you know it, we're seven classes in a nine-week session, in, and it took me this long to forget her belt. So I suck. Uh, yeah, if you don't have your belt, you don't get to participate in class. And the icing on the cake is that we showed up, and I am wearing my One Bad Mother sweatshirt. Ooh. So I truly am One Bad Mother because I forgot my daughter's Taekwondo belt. And thanks. Bye. Okay, I just, I just want to really make sure you understand the value of the lesson in your three-year-old not remembering their Taekwondo belt. Three-year-olds need to bring their A-games, everybody, to Taekwondo. I am sure that your child's suffering an emotional breakdown because they could not participate in three-year-old taekwondo has really taught your three-year-old a lesson about responsibility. I gotta tell I hope you further, you further brought home that sense and lesson of responsibility when you got home. I hope you constantly are taunting your child with that belt because that is the critical lessons to be learned here. I, guys, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Not because you left the belt. Yes, that is a fail. And obviously, your kid is three. It's your job to remember the stupid belt, okay? 
that is that is a perfectly fine failure. But the layers of complete guilt bullshit? Because your three-year-old is not learning a lesson here, except maybe that mommy is only there to disappoint and ruin their life. This taekwondo place is tr- punishing you. And like, and, and maybe, maybe if you do it three times, you don't get to participate in class. But one time, they, like, do they know what parents are? <laughs> they know what kids are? This is insane. This is an insane rule for three-year-olds. Your failure is, according to the Taekwondo school, is to let your daughter and your Taekwondo community down. That is, this is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. Are you riddled with guilt over your TBR pile? Are you filled with shame about a book that you just can't seem to finish? Are you having regrets because grad school killed your love of reading? We're Reading Glasses, and we're here to help. I'm Mallory. And I'm Bria. Let us absolve you of all your reading guilt. Stuck on a book you don't like? We'll help you dump it. Can't figure out what to read next? We'll recommend something in your wheelhouse. Can't decide where to buy your books from? We'll point you in the right direction. No matter what you read or how you read it, we'll help you do it better. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Hey there, beautiful people. I'm Travel Anderson. And I'm Jared Hill. We are the hosts of Fanti, the show where we have complex and complicado conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the things that we really, really love sometimes, but also have some problematic feelings about. Yes, we get into it all. You want to know our thoughts about Nicki Minaj and all her foolishness? We got you. You want to know our thoughts about gentrification and perhaps some positive? question mark Uh aspects of gentrification we get into that too every single thursday you can check us out at maximumfun.org listen you know you want it honey so come on and get it (laughs) period all right everybody it's a little lonely listening to rants without Teresa. we'll just all have to hug each other harder let's listen to a mom have a breakdown Hi, One Bad Mother. This is a rant. This is my first time calling. Thank you for having this hotline. I have a three-year-old who won't poop. It's been a few days. We had an ER visit last week with an enema, and it was just the most traumatizing thing for him and for me, although he left singing songs, so I think he was fine by the end of it, but I am still replaying it in my head, and it's just, I just can't get that look of fear out of his eyes, and it's just just breaking my heart, and uh, anyway, he won't poop, and we're trying everything, and we're talking to his doctor, and we're trying medications, and my husband and I are just so emotionally drained, and uh, I have I have a four-month-old, and I just went back to work about three weeks ago and I just I don't 
want to deal with this. I don't know how long <laughs> this is going to take to resolve. Maybe a few days, maybe a year. I don't know, and I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. I know this will pass, and it's driving me nuts, but it, uh, I just I just need it to be better. And I, I know it will be, but right now it doesn't feel like it. So <sighs> what do you do? Thank you for listening. Um, thanks, thanks for listening to me at my rant, and you are all doing a really great job. Thank you. Bye. So are you. You are doing a remarkable job. This is one of those calls where I'm not going to say uh, you led with the wrong story. You have a series, <laughs> series of situations happening in your house, all of which are too much. Casually. Oh, I have a four-month-old. I wasn't even kind of a person when I had a four-month-old in my house. And you went back to work. Well, we all know how easy that is. Just go back to work. Just look how easy that is. You're not still hormonally massively messed up and like connected with your kid and like questioning everything about your value as a woman. Like that's super... Super relaxing to go back to work. And you have a child that doesn't poop. I hear your statement of, I would like this to not be happening. And I agree. I would like that to not be happening. We all know this is not a place when somebody says, my child's not pooping, to bombard you with what you need to do. <laughs> you already are trying to help this situation. I like to start from a place of, I bet you've already tried everything and freaked out and read every Google article known to man and called every person you know and gone to every doctor. I, yeah, of course you have. You are a parent. But none of that takes away from the stress of knowing your child's uncomfortable and not knowing how it's going to work itself out. Did you see what I did there? And also, that moment of the ER visit and the enema, and really anytime any of us take our children, especially when they're little, to have anything done, any test, any anything, yeah, you are right. You, you are, that was really hard for you. And it takes more than just one night to get over that. That is it may stick around for a while and like pop up and it's, you have a four month in your whole your house so it's not like you're sleeping it's not like you like had time to like relax and kind of work through the trauma of witnessing your child being really upset and scared like yeah you got a four month old dress and you're going back to work this is this goes back to the beginning when i was talking about no space to think no space to like let your mind be quiet or let yourself have the time it takes to process any of the things that you find yourself dealing with. Watching your kids go through something hard is really upsetting. Okay. It is really something that sticks with us. And I, I, I'm still not sure exactly where we're supposed to put that. Having babies in your house is a lot 
going back to work after having babies in your house and with an older child who's not pooping, that's not relaxing. That's not an easy way to go. I I don't care if you love your job and you would want to be there 24 hours a day. It's still... (laughs) It's still there. Those things are, those multiple universes are all still overlapping. The bottom line is, I can see what a great job you're doing. And of course you're tired. And I see how tired you are. And I see how emotionally exhausted you are. And I see the strain and the burden of the effort to do one more thing on top of all of the other things that you're doing or worrying about. And I think you are remarkable and you're doing such a good job. Everybody, I think the takeaway here is honesty and humor are the things that might save us all. (laughs) Truly, truly. Not only do we need to be talking about all of the stuff, good, bad, whatever. We need to be laughing about it as well because I think with laughter and honesty, I think that can open up space for forgiveness and grace and self-love. And I, I just I just wish that not only for myself, but for for others. You are all doing an incredible job. You really, really are. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. Oh, said daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.